Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. It is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take your seats. Let's really get into the word of God. Let's not waste any time. If you have your Bibles, quickly open it to the book of Mark chapter 11. That has been our text of scripture for these teachings that we have been having. Okay, let's quickly get the book of Mark chapter 11. I want to start um, from verse 12 again. Like I said, even if I have to repeat some, uh, explain some things, I'll just do, and because we've read many times, I won't bother to tell you what I'm doing. I'm sure you should be used to it by now. All right, in verse 12, he said, On the next day when he had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing a, in, at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat from you, eat fruit from you again. And the disciples were listening. Now you go down now to verse um, uh, 20. And when they were passing by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus, all right, answered saying to them, have the faith of God, or have faith in God. Truly, he went ahead to explain the importance of having faith in God and how it works in your prayer life. He said, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Now, please, I want you to understand this. Whoever says to this mountain, the person is not praying, all right, but because he has faith in God, he just says to a mountain. He's a discussion between him and the mountain. It does not involve God in any way. He just has an issue with the mountain. He just has an issue with a problem in his neighborhood. He has an issue with his vehicle. He has an issue somewhere in his life. And he's not even talking to God about the issue. He's handling that issue directly. And he just says to the mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. All right? And does not doubt in his heart. He said, whatever that man says is going to be granted him. He said, now remember, truly I say to you, he said in verse 23, verse 24 is another application. Because of this principle, therefore, in verse 25, I also say to you, all things for which you pray, this summarizes the matter of prayer, and ask, believe, that is, if you can believe that you have received them, they will be granted you. Then when I had to talk about when you stand praying, we are stopping that verse 24. I want to just bring out the number of issues on this total, we've been speaking about total faith, and I want to remind us of some things we have said again, especially in that verse 22. I want to explain that's the main thrust of this whole thing. Total faith means that faith is total. I mean, that's good English, right? Yeah, that's what means of total faith. And I've been trying to explain, okay, this is where faith becomes defective. This is the reason why faith does not seem to work a lot of times. And the simple reason is that people want to compartmentalize it, and that will not work. You cannot claim you have faith in an area, and then when it gets to another area you don't have faith and you expect your faith to be strong it will not be strong people oftentimes start something and they don't start it by faith then they want to continue and get results by faith 
and that faith does not work. You must understand that faith is not a feeling. I've been trying to explain. That's why you have to be careful that you are not deceived. Many people think they have faith, but they actually don't have faith. They are deceived. They are thinking in their hearts, I have faith, but really what they have is an intense desire. What they have is a stubbornness of heart. What they have is the determination, not faith. Faith it does not always produce a feeling. Sometimes people think that, it's, I feel so sure. Faith sometimes does not even give you that kind of assurance. Okay? Sometimes faith is just a matter of abandonment. You, let me explain what they say here. Uh, God is able to deliver us. Even if he does not deliver us, we will not bow. Are you getting my point? The faith was not hanging on deliverance. The faith was like, I will not bow to any other God apart from the God of my Lord Jesus Christ. That was what that faith was about. It didn't have anything to do whether I will be delivered or not. So if you say those boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were so sure they would be delivered. No, they were not sure they would be delivered. One thing they were just sure of is I won't bow to any other God. If I die in the process, it's died by faith. If I live in the process, it's living by faith. That's just what it is. They will have died by faith if they died in that process. And listen to me, many people have died in that process. Let's not, make it, let's not continue to make it look as if the only thing God knows how to do is to deliver children out of fire. Sometimes he allows the fire to roast them just to let some people know that people are roastable. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? It sounds funny, right? Now, what I'm trying to say is that, so you find that Christians, there were times that they, get, they, they went through the fiery furnace and God allowed the fire to burn them. And if you go and read the, the, the story of the prophets of Israel, many times they were killed because they were prophets. And God did not just see fit that day to deliver them. Because the Bible says that there are men, there were men that the world was not worthy of. Are you getting my point? So God said, no, what's the big deal? Kill him. I'm taking him somewhere far better than where he is right now. So faith is not the fact that I am so sure God will deliver me. Faith is that no matter what you threaten, I will not bow to another God. Now, get my point. I'm going to emphasize here that faith is not just how I feel concerning what I'm going to, the result I'm going to get. Sometimes faith is just total abandonment. I don't care. As long as I am pleasing to God, I don't care what the result will be. You know, I said something last time that one of the reasons why faith has been weak is because faith has been used only to grab. People don't use faith to give things up. They use it to grab. And for that reason, that faith is defective. Let's really talk some science here. Most of us here have heard of kwashioko. Kwashioko is a situation in which a child gets a lot of carbohydrates but does not get enough protein. Uh, and that process does not get enough um, uh, vitamins and minerals. The child is eating plenty. Okay? But this child will have puffy eyes. He has a big stomach. We look unhealthy. The hair will be thin and weak. Once you see this child, it's a picture of poor health. Yeah, the child has a lot of body size. We call it malnutrition. Nutrition that is not appropriate. Nutrition that is out of order. Why is it like that? Because it is not balanced. Faith that is not balanced also produces the same kind of result. Please, I hope you are getting my point. If faith is not balanced, that's what it produces. It is, you find that the faith is not strong, it is weak. It cannot defend. That child, even though he has a lot of body size, cannot defend himself or herself against infections. They often have a lot of intestinal infections. Bacterial infections have a field day with them. Viruses can tackle them very easily. Why? The diet is not balanced. Faith that only knows how to get is not balanced. It is not balanced. That faith is weak. The fellow will think he has faith. The fellow will think she has faith, but that faith is not strong. So that's the point I've been trying to make. So what, what is the faith that is balanced? We read from Amplified Bible. It said it is faith that is continual. It said have faith in God continually. And I said the faith of God is that which is continual. 
The faith of God is that which is not something we pick up when we think we need it. The faith of God is something we use all the time. The faith of God is something we employ even when things are good. That's what I'm picking up from today, all right? Now, I have two things in mind I want to teach today. I don't know which one to start with. I want to talk about faith as a matter of words that we speak continually, of total faith for finances. I don't know which one to start with, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start talking about both of them. And anyone that stays is the one that the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about. And then we'll leave the other one till another time, okay? Now, now I was saying that the problem with faith, why it is weak, that is the reason why we're doing this teaching, is that faith cannot be compartmentalized. So when we try to compartmentalize faith, we have a problem. I'm saying that again and again. The faith of God is the one you use even when you don't think you need a special manifestation of divine power, yet you operate by that faith. The faith of God is what you use even if things look okay. I made a statement, I think last week's school of prayer. Let me just make the statement here. I said that for you to have faith in the time of trouble, you must have had faith when things were good. Last time we explained that faith is a seed. Jesus said if you have faith as a mustard seed. Now, I want to explain the principle from that again. The emphasis there is in the word seed rather than mustard. Now, both of them are important. The fact that mustard seed faith, mustard seed is very small, is important, but also that it is a seed. One, it is small. Second, it is a seed. It didn't say if you have faith as a grain of sand. That could have been a good illustration. But it said faith as a mustard seed. That tells you that faith is living, and if you plant it, it will grow. I said something before. That if you see faith that is great, there was a season of what? Seed. The other time we looked at two people in the scriptures. Who Jesus said had great faith. One, the Syrophoenician woman. Two, the Roman centurion. In both situations, they were not praying for themselves, but for somebody they loved. And we said that faith works by love. That is seed of faith. Now listen to this. We're going to we're start talking about the things that are the seeds of faith. That the seed of faith is love. About the most important seed of faith is love. The point I'm making here is that faith is a seed. And every time you find great faith, listen, it does not lie within any human being to have great faith. It does not. Great faith as a rule is a manifestation of the spirit. Great faith as a rule is a special endowment that God pours into somebody whose heart is prepared. Great faith as a rule is not something you conjure up by yourself. Listen to me. God grants great faith. I've said this many times. It's my best example. If you see fiery furnace, believe me, you will bow. I don't know what I, what I said. If they put you in front of a furnace, you will bow. The only reason men did not bow, the only reason men stood, even when they were threatened with being roasted alive, is because God poured into them at that time the spirit of faith. Life is spiritual. We must understand. Let's see. For Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, something possessed him. 
That thing is called the spirit of faith. I'm going to explain something here. At that point, what you are enjoying is the fruit of seeds that were sown. That is what manifests as great faith. And what we believers must realize is that we must plant that faith constantly. There's a principle of seed sowing in Christianity. And what is that principle? You sow your seed in the morning. And you sow your seed at night. You sow your seed when it is convenient. You sow your seed when it is not convenient. You sow your seed when you are happy. You sow your seed when you are sad. That is the principle of seed sowing in Christianity. It is a constant thing we do all the time. That is why you've heard me teach about money many times. There are not too many people that you know, speak the way I do. In, in, like, in, you know, amongst us ministers. Let me just emphasize this again. The major area where I disagree with most, most preachers when it comes to seed, money as seed sowing, is the way it's operated. Today you will plant a seed and you will reap a harvest. I don't believe it. If I know that I don't believe it, it is not true. Christians, do we reap harvest from giving money? Yes, we do. Many scriptures are bound that show that he that sows sparingly, risks sparingly. He that sows bountifully, risks bountifully. So you say, so why don't you agree? It's simple. There's a principle of spirituality in Christianity. And that is that our own seed sowing as believers cannot be targeted. It can't be. I don't have time to explain it now. You cannot target the seed. What you do as a Christian is to do what? Sow continually. Please, I have to explain that thing until everybody understands it. As Christians, we sow how? I didn't hear you well enough. It must be a habit. You must be the type that sow in the morning and sow at night. You must be a giver when when you are abundant and a giver when you are broke. You must be a giver when you are happy and a giver when you are sad. You must be a giver when you believe in people and be giver when you are angry with them. That is when your seed is of the faith of God. If you say, now, I need a new car. Let me plant this seed for my new car. You have spoiled it. You have spoiled it. If you say, now, I need breakthrough in this area. I now take a seed, that is money, I'm talking about money now, and I go and give it because of that, you've ruined it. You must be one that plants, in quotes, that money seed, whether you need anything or you don't. And this is the rule. You don't even know which one God is using to bring forth something. Because the fact is this. Listen to this. Physical things you see, they don't enter the realm of the spirit. People say if you give money, you will reap money. Not true. You see, but the Bible says seed and harvest. You must understand that for every seed, there is a soil. If you want to plant corn, you know corn, C-O-R, what do you call Oriza sativa, that's rice. Uh, what is uh, corn again? Z-maize, thank you. If you want to plant Z-maize, Z-maize must go into loamy soil. Are you getting my point? Clay soil or sandy soil, it must go into soil. My emphasis is soil, not the loamy. The way you're squeezing your face, like, are you sure? <laughs> no, the woman is squeezing his face because I know he has a farm. So he's... <laughs> 
He's looking at me like, oh God, no, my own is on clay soil. What are you saying? <laughs> my emphasis is on soil. Are you getting my point? <laughs> so the emphasis is on soil and physical. That is a physical thing. If you want to plant money as a seed, that is a cash as a seed, the only place is a financial market. It's a business. It's an investment. It's buying and selling. It's a bank. It's stocks. It's fixed deposits. That is the, finan- that is the soil, the ground, thank you, for financial seed. If we are to take it literally. The financial seed that goes into an offering basket is not literal. The financial seed that goes into the life of a man that is poor, that you want to help, is not literal. The financial seed that goes into the life of a prophet is not literal. In that one, God does not see the money. He can't. Those ones, it is what they carry, what they represent, that enters into the realm of the spirit. So if I take money, and I look and say, this man is hungry. Take. You know what I've done? I have sown love, not money. And Jesus said like that, he that shows mercy shall obtain what? Mercy. The mercy is intangible. But how do you not show mercy? You give money, that's mercy. The man is broke, he's hungry, he hasn't eaten. You give to him, that's mercy. He that honors me, I will honor. You've heard that before? Honor again is intangible. How do you show honor? A woman saw Elisha and said, I perceive that this man is a holy man of God that passes by us every time. Elisha was not broke. Elisha had places to stay. He was an honored man in Israel. The woman just, she was not trying to meet his, bro, you know, like, she was not treating him as a man that's poor. She was treating him as a man that was a prophet. And the, the Bible says, if you give to a prophet because he's a prophet, not because he's broke. I have seen something in Christianity. I've seen people that will give to you as long as you can demonstrate that you are poor. And they'll be very generous. Once they see that you're not poor, they will never give to you. No matter. Preach the gospel from now till tomorrow, they won't. I'm not saying they are able people, but they only give in one area. Money of love. You know, like, not, they never give out of honor. There's one preacher I was listening to. He said he never received a gift from somebody who's richer than. I said, then you will never receive a gift of honor. As a preacher, listen. When I started it, I was like that. I didn't like to, you give me money, it was an embarrassment to collect. I felt that, what is this? Well, later on, I understood. There are different kinds of offerings, let me be like that. One of them is the offering of love, that is, in need. This man needs money. This woman needs money. Let me give to help. But there's an offering of honor. In which you go before a king and you don't come empty-handed. He's not richer than you. And God said, go and read the book of Malachi. God said it. You brought me all kinds of offerings. He said, take it to your governor. Will he take it from you? That is, they used to take things to their governors. And the governors were not poor. He said, if I'm a father, where is my honor? You must understand that. That is why I tell people, a lot of Christians don't realize it. Your father is poor or rich is irrelevant to your giving to him. 
If he needs it, if he doesn't have enough pension to take care of him and all of that, yes, you have a double reason to give to him. But assuming that he's so rich, he makes your annual salary in one weekend. You will still cut from that your little salary and go home and present things to him. Why? It's called honor. Somebody said something once. I was pastor, but you are listening to when he was he quoted. I didn't hear it directly. But it would give you an idea of what I'm saying. They wanted to review the salary of the Australian prime minister. Many years ago, not now. And of course, as typical in all democracies, there's plenty of talk. And Fela explained, you know Fela, Anikola Kokuti, he explained it very well. You see, demonstration of Chris. Are you getting my point? They call it democracy. <laughs> so you see, people who know, they will talk. People who don't know, they will talk. Everybody, it's called freedom of speech. I like it, there, I mean. Freedom of speech. Freedom after speech is what I can guarantee. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> so everybody was talking. Jack, 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 jack. So they, they said they asked Brown Houston that, and he made a statement. I think that is the Australian pastor, right? That's Brian Houston. He said the man made a statement, which is why I want to, that statement I want to quote. The man said, it is not about need. It is about honor. He's our prime minister. We have to honor that position. He has to be generously paid. Not because he needs it, but because we recognize that he's our prime minister. You are getting my point. We will talk more about this later. But let me just try and sit on the main point I'm going to make here. So that woman gave to Elisha a seed of what? Honor. And God said, he that honors me, I will honor. I'm going to emphasize something here. You can see that this money that these people spent, these monies were not, they did not enter into the realm of the spirit. They can't. Money can't enter the realm of the spirit. Money can enter into a bank, can enter into a trader's hands, can enter into your pocket. It cannot enter the realm of the spirit. But it must represent something. That is why most Christians these days, their seeds mean nothing. Because they are seeds of selfishness. And he that sows to his own flesh. Let me not complete it. They are not giving to people. They are not giving gifts of love. They are not giving gifts of honor. They are not giving gifts of mercy. They are giving gifts of selfishness. That's why I have never believed that you get up and say, this seed is for my car, and you get anything. If you got that car, God just overlooks your foolishness. He does that. He just overlooks it. Say, forgive him, forgive her. What does she know? Okay, erase this, erase that. Use the prayer she prayed yesterday. They will now use that prayer to produce the result. And then next day they say, praise the Lord, my seed spoke for me. Nonsense. Your seed didn't say anything. The mercy of God spoke for you. Are you getting my point? As a true believer, let me explain something to you. You want your seed in quotes, in quote now, because I don't have time to explain it in details, to speak for you. The only way you do is I sow it all the time. The things that you did or that you are doing that's really counting, you don't know it's counting. The one you think is counting is not being recorded. The big works people do, you'll be surprised. You give a millionaire to the preaching of the gospel. God did not notice. You know why? He says that that day you were feeling happy. 
and you had a, an extra million. Maybe you gave it to impress your wife that you just married, that I'm a generous husband that you married. It's possible. One day God wants to multiply seed for you. You won't know. It's the 500 naira you gave one day that you did not even remember. In heaven, when they want to count it, the day they show you that one, you're like, what? You counted this? Ah, God will point out to you that that day, what brought that money out of your pocket was that you looked at that man or that woman and you looked and compassion came out of your bowels. And the only way you could express it was to give that money. So I'm rewarding the compassion that came out of your bowels. That is what enters the realm of the spirit. I went into that trying to explain a principle here. That when people tell you that when you give money, you must get money, it doesn't work. I've seen people say, I'm going to give dollars so God can pay me back in dollars. No. All you are doing is giving what the Bible calls selfishness. Seeds must always have a spiritual adjective attached to them. You know what they call adjective? Something to describe them. So there are seeds of love, seeds of honor, seeds of generosity, seeds of compassion. Seeds, most Christians today, in 2016, that today they give seeds of selfishness. They're only thinking of themselves. If it won't come back to them, they're not going to release it. And that's why the only way many pastors see to get money out of Christians is to come and start promising things God did not promise. The first 50 people, I have 50 blessings. The Holy Spirit said to me, it's one million for each blessing. So church that day, only those that have one, one million will collect the 50 blessings. And let me prove to you that most of the time is a lie. When that man doesn't get up to 50, by the time he gets to 25, he said, the Holy Spirit just said to me, now if only have half a million, come and collect also. I said, forget this, God, forget this thing. Look. <laughs> I told one of my colleagues, call me early one morning. Around 7 a.m., before 7 a.m. I was surprised to get a call for him that early. I said, ah, oh, what's happening? He said, the pastor, he called that, he said, pastor, there's trouble. Oh. I said, what did happen? He said in his church, they said he should come for prayer meeting by 6 a.m. So he carried his wife and children and went to church by 6 a.m. And the pastor now said that, if you are amongst those that God will bless today, say amen. Of course, won't you say amen? Everybody read amen. Say amen again after some days. If you are amongst them, run forward now with this 10,000 or 20,000 naira. You know what annoyed my colleague? That I left my house at 6 a.m. because you are broke. It's very annoying. <laughs> So he just went to where his wife was, grabbed her hand, said, let us go. He was so angry, dragged the woman out of the church. As he was saying, this guy picked his phone. He was thinking who to report to. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so he called me. He said, Pastor, there's a problem. There's a problem. I said, what happened? He now told me this. His own was that, what kind of things? If you needed money, you should have just told me. I'll have come to drop my own on my way back from work. Not make me come to church at six in the morning. That is not fair. Listen to me. Anytime you want to give, and what you re- receive is what is in your mind, you're throwing away your money. Let me say it again. Anytime you want to give, and it is what you, it will produce for you that's in your mind, you are throwing away your money. I will say it one more time. Anytime it is offering time, 
And it is what it will bring back for you that's pushing you to give it. You've just thrown away that money. Why? Because I said to you, money itself does not enter the realm of the spirit. It is the thing that it's carrying, the spiritual substance, the spiritual adjective. That is what enters. Offerings must be offerings of love, offerings of mercy, offerings of honor, offerings of compassion. If they are going to count with God. Offerings of selfishness, they don't bring you anything good. I was making a statement. Faith must be continual. That's what I'm trying to explain. Giving must be a habit. Please go and read my track, Cheerful Giver, again. We believers give continually. We give because we are givers. We give because we are like our Father who is in heaven. We give because His rain falls on the the good and the bad. So we give all the time. We don't only give in church, we give at home. We don't only give in church, we give in the community. We don't only give to Christians, we give to unbelievers. We are just there to meet needs as God gives us the opportunity. We give all the time. That kind of giving is a giving of faith. The faith of God. The giving that's only, only stimulated by my desire. And listen, if you're a preacher, please stop it. Stop spoiling people. You've heard me preach, those of you who've listened to me for some time. I don't, I don't motivate people by what they will get. Because you are killing their seed. I remind them that they are good people. I remind Christians that the seed of God is in them. Then I help them to see needs when it's available. And I leave the rest. You give cheerfully. That's a cheerful giver. Anybody that's pacing up and down, waiting for when his seed will bring forth the harvest, is not a cheerful giver. He's an apprehensive investor. He's fidgeting. Did I plant? People say that you have to plant in a, in a fertile ground. Well, fertile ground is where people are in need. Fertile ground is where people should be honored. Fertile ground is where the gospel is being preached. Fertile ground is where you just want to help. Once you're not thinking of yourself, it's fertile. It's not to go to the ministry and say, how many souls did they win last year? The preacher has talked about it, see? In this ministry last year, we had 15,000 souls won for God. It's fertile ground. It's not fertile ground. I mean, I'm not saying it's not fertile ground. That doesn't make it fertile ground. There's a young man who just started ministry. It's also fertile ground. Once I am not thinking of myself... I am thinking of how I can bless somebody. That's fertile ground. If I say, yes, these guys are preaching the gospel and I want to help them, that's fertile ground also, most certainly. But I'm going to say something here. Stop thinking of yourself when you want to give. That let, me show, let me be sure it will produce for me. When your money produces, it is not even for you. It, pro- it produces so you can give some more. The Bible says he multiplies your seed for sowing. Please, I hope you are following the point I'm trying to make all of these things. All right? So, you know, I'm saying all of this to emphasize a particular point. That faith is a seed. And we plant it how? One more time. That's what we do. And also made a statement earlier. Let me just repeat it, then I explain it. Remember, we said that Jesus said, if you can believe that this, he was trying to emphasize something. 
that it's a spiritual state you are in, in which you find deep inside your heart the ability to believe. And I'm going to bring out an issue here. It is not when you need to believe, you start trying to conjure faith. I don't know what I hear what I said. It's not when you need to believe, you suddenly start conjuring up faith. They say if you can lift up this um, 200 kg of um, dumbbell, it's not, it's, no, that's not dumbbell, bars, you know, iron bars in the gym, that they are going to give you 5 million naira. Hey! Then you now go there and start psyching yourself. I can take, I can do all things. Through Christ who helps me with muscle, I can do all things. You start trying to carry 200 kg. Bros, I hope you have a friend that's an orthopedic surgeon. Yes, because your back is going to hear me. 200 kg all of a sudden. However, listen to this. Assuming your name is, um, okay, let's not give any name. But if you've ever seen this program on TV, the world's strongest man, those men are strong. If you are one of them, it's not the day of the competition you start flexing muscle. You've been flexing that muscle for a long time and you have been eating well for a long time. You will discover the strength inside you to carry that weight. And that is what faith is about. They said that if you start looking for faith when you need it, you waited too late. That faith must have been practiced. And that's what I'm going to emphasize. My own emphasis is that faith must have been sown constantly as a seed. That you don't look for faith. You discover it. I don't know whether I get my point. You will just realize that your heart is settled. Like we read that in that, that scripture. What there was the Lord Jesus saying. When we started reading from that, around that verse 12. You notice that he wasn't thinking about the tree. He was not praying about the tree. The tree just offended him. And he spoke. And was not planning to check. And the tree died. So what's the point I'm going to make? This is the point. If you are going to have faith in difficult times, when you need a lot of faith, you must have been deliberately exercising faith in the time of peace. Don't start conjuring up faith when things are hard. If you did not deliberately have faith when things were easy. I'll use money as a very good example. Right now, in fact, Naira did the greatest masquerade performance over the last few days. There was a day they said the thing dropped 60 Naira in 24 hours. 320 to 380 in 24 hours. Or is it 24 or 48 hours? It crossed by 60 Naira in 24 or 48 hours. Who has heard such things? I was discussing with the Wazi Bishop. I said, I've, in my own little life, I've gone through that thing three times. This is my third experience. Or seen Naira just swipe like that, going down like that. This is my third experience in life. Don't worry. Nothing will happen to you. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't worry. Nothing will happen to you. Amen. Don't think what's going to happen. Nothing. You will still breathe tomorrow morning. And let me give you a prophetic word. You are going to laugh about it in a short while. Don't let your heart be troubled. That thing is a very powerful statement. When Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled, it, was not a, it wasn't nice preaching. It was a statement that this is very crucial to your survival. Your heart must not be troubled. It's crucial to your survival. When you think about it, ask my wife. I always laugh. Was it she that told me, oh, Bishop, when I heard it, I said, what? 69? 
24 or 48 hours. I started laughing. When Bishop told me that he told me it's not 380, I said, it's getting close to the 400 naira I said at the beginning. As after that, it is slowed down. Anytime I hear it, I laugh. You know why? The Bible says, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. You see where I'm going. Let's use this faith for finance as an example. If you are going to have faith in the time of trouble, it will be because you deliberately exercise faith in the time of peace. Let's use money as an example. Quickly, let's read what Paul wrote to Timothy. I began to talk about seeds of faith at the time, but I'm not taking it in order anymore, but maybe we'll still get back to it and summarize all the seeds of faith that we have um, identified. First Timothy chapter 6. In fact, I think this is where we'll stay now. Should we read this first? Okay, let's read this one first. First Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to read from verse 17. He said, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. It's a storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Now notice what Paul was trying to emphasize here. You can look up from your reading. Paul was emphasizing to Timothy the need for faith. He said, instruct them not to have their expectation on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Let me just emphasize to us again that that was faith he was describing. The Bible says that faith is a substance of things hoped for. What that is saying is that if a man has hope, it's because he has faith. A wish is different from a hope in the Bible. In the Bible, hope is an expectation that is firm. The fellow is sure. Alright? And that's because there is faith in something. That's because he has information, she has information, and is basing the expectation on that. So this was a lesson in faith that Timothy was being told to teach to the rich people. He said, the danger, let me, no, I said something to us before, that everything in life has a danger. If you are rich, the danger of being rich is that you will put your trust in money. If you are poor, your trust cannot be in money because you don't have it. If you are rich, it's a major danger that you will put your trust in what you have. It's just a danger. I said to us before that everything in life has its risk. 